On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla held its quarterly earnings call for Q3 2020, another profitable one for Tesla. I've got my analysis of all the news, plus highlights from the call by Elon Musk and the Tesla executive team. Stay tuned. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 273 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for October 25th, 2020, alongside and an already sleeping Daisy the Boxer. She is uh, not wasting any time. You're going to want to stay awake, though. This is a very busy episode. Quarterly earnings call. My favorite episodes to make. Uh, lots go into them, but I am always... They always feel like fun radio show hours to me when they get done. So... Uh, we will cover that. But first, a quick housekeeping note. Invitations will be going out this weekend, basically now-ish, as most of you hear this, for the monthly Patreon Google Hangout for those of you at the appropriate tiers. I'm going to aim to do that next Sunday, November 1st at 12 p.m. Pacific. And just a quick heads up, I just learned this. The clocks change that day for most of the United States. So heed the calendar invites that I will be sending some of you. All right, before I get started with the earnings call, I wanted to play you a clip from some friends that should make you smile, maybe even get you hyped up a little bit, even though I, of course, just got done telling you last week, cautious, kindly cautioning you not to get too hyped up for the full autopilot rewrite. That said, here are my friends John and Raj from Tesla Owners Club of Silicon Valley, John was lucky enough to receive the early beta of the new autopilot rewrite that is expected to roll out wide uh, sometime in December, towards right towards the end of the year. And as it turns out, this update does include full city streets self-driving, including making turns and going around other vehicles. Uh, so... These friends of mine, of course, I love to see them. I haven't seen them in a while, but I guess we've had a couple of virtual events we've gotten to see them at. But so they, uh, John and Raj jumped into John's Model X together after, right after John got the update. And here is a clip from their first drive. This is each of their first reactions. This is about one minute long. Take a listen to this. Literally just pulled out. Oh, look at your screen. Dude, it's, is... literally, it's literally like red lasers but it literally sees everything. It has all the cars literally on it. All right. So let's go, let's go. Put this bad boy in drive. Where did you navigate to? Uh, Target. Oh, okay. Wait, it's going? Oh, it's going, dude. But there's no lane. There's no lanes. <laughs> oh my. There's cars on the side of the road. Dude, it's navigating through it all, bro. All right, here we come up to the first, the first turn, dude. No. Blinker. No is on the dude the on my mind is about to be blown bro okay here no we go way. oh no way dude oh my oh, it paused to look <laughs> it paused to look dude Wait. no way dude there's no lanes oh my gosh dude okay here we are it's going the speed limit too dude elon right. you madman wait but wait there's cars on the side of the road and there's no lane markings though dude oh <laughs> 
dude. You tripping out. Oh. oh, 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 oh. Okay, okay. We good. Oh, we we good? good. Oh, we good? it's navigating around the car. You didn't do that. You didn't do oh, that. I didn't do it. Dude, I'm not doing anything other than being very cautious, Elon. I thought you might enjoy that clip. I did. It put a smile on my face to watch them be so excited. It was like watching watching your kids <laughs> open presents on Christmas morning. I was just super excited for them. And of course, it will roll out to more of us here in the coming couple of months. Now, that same night that the full self-driving beta started rolling out, Elon Musk tweeted this, quote, Now that Tesla FSD beta is out in limited release, FSD price, new or upgrade, will go up by $2,000 on Monday. And yes, he means tomorrow as this episode releases, meaning October 26th. I have to say, uh, I was a little put off by that. I feel like he should give more notice on it because he's done so very kindly in the past. I mean, a car purchase is the second biggest purchase for most people, aside from their home. And to give what was effectively four days of notice, to me, it it just doesn't give people time to plan for that purchase. Or if they were thinking about maybe upgrading for their existing car, maybe they weren't planning on doing it yet, but maybe they, they would want to now with the price going up. So 2000 is a lot of money. And odds are, I mean, in my opinion, I don't know, I don't work for Tesla, but I would think that a bit more time wouldn't make a big difference for Tesla, but it would make a difference for prospective buyers and upgraders. So I tweeted Elon about it and he kindly responded. We ended up in a productive exchange. I wrote, you've typically given much more notice than this, which was fair. This doesn't feel like a great thing to spring on your customers who are either trying to plan their initial purchase or upgrading their existing car with only five days notice. $2,000 is a lot of money to surprise with. He responded to me kindly, and he says, Well, we have said many times that the price will rise as the product functionality improves. How much time do you think we should give? So I responded and said, Yes, you've said it will keep going up. In the past, you've given about 30 days of notice. That seems fair to try and allow people to readjust their plans when buying or upgrading. I'm not questioning the full self-driving value, but $2,000 is a lot for many folks. Appreciate you responding to constructive feedback. And then he later tweeted, not in response to me, but uh, just on his own so that everybody would see it. He said, price change is pushed to Thursday next week, applies only to US for now. One week clock will start in other countries as beta is released. Full self-driving monthly rental will also be available sometime next year. So uh, I'm not taking full credit for this. I was part of a chorus of people. I was certainly not the only one bringing this up. Uh, A number of people responded. He happened to respond to me. But I will say, while it's only a few more days, hey, it's something. Technically, he could have given zero days of notice and simply changed it on the website without telling anyone. But as I mentioned, the precedent had very kindly been set by Elon with, with having plenty of notice at previous increases. And on top of that, this is double the increase as compared to those previous price bumps. This is 2000 whereas before it's gone up by $1,000. So uh, also, by the way, it's good to get a little update there, vague though it may be, about the monthly subscription option there as well. Also, this got me thinking, I suppose if they're upping the price again uh, 
and not only again, but by two grand this time, the uptake rate on full self-driving must not have suffered much at all after the last recent price increase if they're now hustling another one out reasonably quickly after the last one. And, and again, by $2,000 at that. So now the bottom line here, it is going to be a $10,000 package. And while I don't pretend to speak for anyone, I do wonder if that number is going to be a bit of a mental barrier for a lot of people in that it's a five-figure number. Again, I'm not saying that the full self-driving package isn't worth it. In my opinion, the value of that is a tough thing to quantify. You know, for some people, it's it's completely invaluable and worth every penny. And for other people, uh, it just it's just way more than than they're willing to spend. So I'm not going to put a, a value judgment on that for anyone but myself. But nevertheless. $10,000 does sound and look a lot more expensive than $8,000 does. I mean, put it another way, 10 grand is more, more than a quarter of the entire price of the now 263 mile range sta- uh, standard range plus model 3. So, it's not cheap. And again, how how valuable it is to you is going to be an individual case-by-case basis. But, I mean, I will say again, for my part, I I feel like it paid for itself for me a while ago. Uh, particularly, I mean, when I bought my car, it was the $5,000 enhanced autopilot package, which had a lot of stuff in it. And then it was the $3,000 full self-driving add-on package, which I didn't buy at launch, depending if you haven't been listening to me for uh, the last couple of years. So I didn't buy the full self-driving package at launch, but I added it when it went on quote unquote sale uh, early in 2019 because it was supposed to cost me $4,000 if I had upgraded at that time, but it went quote unquote on sale for three. I decided to jump at it. And certainly now I'm happy that I did. And also what's nice is they have started delivering full self-driving features, you know, these city street features, even the ones before this this full self-driving, uh, full rewrite uh, city street beta. But in any case, that is the situation. It is going up. So if you're hearing this on Sunday the 26th, Monday the 27th, uh, or excuse me, so I've got the dates wrong. Monday the 26th, Tuesday the 27th, whatever the case may be, know that you've got until Thursday, the 29th, should you decide you want to purchase that. Uh, Now, this did also raise more conversation online, and justifiably so, about transferring your full self-driving subscription should you upgrade your car. We'll hear more about that in the earnings call uh, coming up in a minute. First, a quick review of the shareholder letter that accompanies the earnings call. It actually... uh, prefaces it by a a couple of hours. They put the letter out first and then they do the call. And the overall news here, let's get right to it. It's all good. The news is all good from Q3, a profit of $809 million. uh, So it's $809 million gap income and $331 million of gap net income. So that is another profit and that makes five quarters in a row. How about the cash flow situation at Tesla now? It is up 
by another $6 billion, which a lot of that was on the back of their capital raise, which they, they timed very well and, and you know, did, they took advantage of that uh, wisely. So their cash position, now their cash flow overall is now $14.5 billion, and that is phenomenal. Again, consider where Tesla was just three years ago, financially speaking, while they were down in the seventh circle of Model 3 production hell, as Elon liked to call it, and just look at them now. I mean, it's, it's absolutely spectacular. Love to see it. Here's the summary from the shareholder letter from Tesla. They write in the letter, quote, the third quarter of 2020 was a record quarter on many levels. Over the past four quarters, we generated over $1.9 billion of free cash flow while spending $2.4 billion on new production capacity, service centers, supercharging locations, and other capital investments. While we took additional stock-based compensation expense in Q3, that is for Elon hitting his uh, stock tranche, our gap operating margin reached 9.2%. We are increasingly focused on our next phase of growth. Our most recent capacity expansion investments are now stabilizing with Model 3 in Shanghai, achieving its designed production rate, and Model Y in Fremont expected to reach production, excuse me, expected to reach capacity level production soon. In other words, they're going to start ramping, they're going to start building Model Ys in Shanghai soon. During this next phase, we are implementing more ambitious architectural changes to our products and factories to improve manufacturing cost and efficiency. We are also expanding our scope of manufacturing to include additional areas of insourcing. At Tesla Battery Day, we announced our plans to manufacture battery cells in-house to aid in our rapid expansion plan. We believe our new 4680 cells are an important step forward to reduce cost and improve capital efficiency while improving performance. We continue to see growing interest in our cars, storage, and solar products and remain focused on cost efficiency while growing capacity as quickly as possible. They also add later in the letter, we are currently building Model Y capacity at Gigafactory Shanghai, Gigafactory Berlin, and Gigafactory Texas and remain on track to start deliveries from each location in 2021. Tesla Semi deliveries will also begin in 2021. We continue to significantly invest in our product roadmap. Well, reaffirming Tesla Semi deliveries next year right there, which is good to hear, uh, and we'll hear more about the Semi later in the call, and deliveries out of Giga uh, Texas as well, again, reassuring, and that will get spoken to in a few minutes as well. Now, speaking of regional updates... With regards to Fremont, Tesla writes this, We have recently increased capacity of Model 3 and Model Y to 500,000 units a year. In order to do this, we restarted our second paint shop, installed the largest die casting machine in the world, and upgraded our Model Y general assembly line. Production should reach full capacity toward the end of this year or beginning of next year. And in Shanghai... Model 3 production capacity has increased, this is why I wanted to read this to you, so you'd have the number, because it's interesting to know what the number is, 250,000 units per year. That is 5,000 cars per week. We reduced the price of Model 3 to 249,900 RMB after incentives, making it the lowest price premium mid-sized sedan in China. This was enabled by, uh, both by lower cost batteries and an increased level of local, local procurement. 
As a result of this shift in cost and starting price, we recently added a third production shift to our Model 3 factory. So Shanghai just has done absolute, they have reached full capacity in under a year, basically in three quarters. That is absolutely spectacular. I mean, it's, because uh, again, you heard earlier, Model 3 in Shanghai achieving its designed production rate. So they have reached full blast in Shanghai in just three quarters. That is spectacular. Earnings call time. Let's get it started with Elon's opening statement, of course. This is a, a good long one. As usual, it's, uh, I don't remember exactly, I want to say seven, eight minutes. So sit back, relax. Here's how Elon opened the earnings call. All right, so Q3 was our best quarter in history. We achieved the record production and deliveries, record revenue, record net income, uh, both gap and ungap, and record free cash, cash flow of $1.4 billion. Uh, this is really due to the amazing execution by the Tesla team. I uh, could not be more proud to work with such a great group of people. Um, just really kick-ass performance across throughout the world. Um, of course, we had a battery day, uh, so we hosted, sh showed our plans for how we can expand the future and improve core battery technology, core cell technology at the form factor level, chemistry level, um, and um, I think more significantly at the manufacturing uh, technology level. Um, there's only a comment I've made in the past is that I think Tesla's long-term competitive strength will be primarily manufacturing. Uh, this is counterintuitive, but I, I'm quite confident this will be uh, what, uh, what happens. Um, anyway, so we presented what the team's been working on for a long time, well, batteries. Um, we, we wanted to step back and really rethink batteries from scratch. Uh, first, first principle thinking, just look at the, the fundamental physics and say what, uh, rather than compare to uh, other products in the market, just say from a physics standpoint, if you, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the limit of physics? What's the platonic ideal of a perfect cell? And how close can we get there? Um, and uh, that, that was our aspiration. And I think we've, we've, we've got a pretty good uh, approach to it, um, which will only get better over time. So we went through all of the engineering solutions for every important part of battery design and production. Um, and we'll continue to iterate on that and just recursively improve the core uh, cell and battery technology. The, the result, we, we think, in, you know, in a few years will be batteries that cost half as much and where the capital expenditures required are a third or, or less of what they are today. And uh, we expect uh, Giga Berlin will see our first uh, battery cell production line at scale. Uh, regarding the full self-driving beta release, uh, the Autopilot team, uh, again, just a really all-star team. Um, I spent a lot of time with the with the Autopilot team, and there's just a, a lot of really talented people in that team who've worked incredibly hard to make the to get get the, the beta release out. Uh, so I just really like to, to thank them for their their hard work, um, and uh, it's just a, it's just a very smart group of people. So. Um, I think we're starting very slow and just very cautiously um, because the world is a complex and messy place. And so we, we're, um, you know, we put it out there last night and then we'll see how it goes and then uh, probably release it to more people uh, this weekend or early next week um, and then just gradually step it up um, until we have uh, hopefully a wide release by the end of this year. Um, and, and, of course, as the system collects more data and uh, it, be it becomes more robust, um, 
So um, it, it's sort of like, you know, how does Google as a search engine get better? It's because everyone is programming it by asking it questions all the time and clicking on particular links. So it's got this great feedback loop, um, and that, that makes it a, an extremely effective uh, search engine. Um, it's the same thing for autonomy. Um, having on the order of a million cars uh, that are providing feedback and, and specifically feedback on, on strange corner case situations that you just can't even come up with in simulation, uh, this is the thing that is really valuable. It's not like the, 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 the obvious stuff. The obvious stuff you can do in simulation. Um, but weird corner cases, uh, only reality can, can give you that. So uh, that's, but, but we're able to say, okay, we need to train the system on this corner case situation uh, and, and look for examples so we can, we can then uh, train against those examples and improve uh, some very esoteric corner case. Um, and um, also important to emphasize that this is a generalized uh, neural net-based approach. Uh, there is no need for high-definition maps or a cell phone connection. So the, the car, the, the system is designed such that even if you have no connectivity whatsoever and you're in a place that you have never been to before and no Tesla has ever been there, the car should still be able to drive, just like a person. Uh, that is the system that we are developing and uh, aiming to release uh, this year. Um, then in terms of capacity build-out, uh, we're making progress on um, three major factories. Uh, we're continuing to expand Shanghai significantly, uh, which is going incredibly well. The Tesla China team um, is just, I mean, incredibly good. We're uh, super smart, work hard. It's like I'm always amazed by how much progress the Tesla China team makes. Uh, it's uh, beyond all reasonable expectations. Um, and then we're under construction in uh, Berlin and, Texas, and, and, and Austin. Um, so also making good progress there. Um, yeah, it's great. So it's overall going well. Um, I, I should make a point that for Berlin and Austin, um, we, we, we do expect to start delivering cars from those factories next year. But because of the exponential nature of, of a of the spool up of a manufacturing plant, especially one with new technology, um, it, it, it will start off very slow at first, and then, then, and then um, become very the, the output will become very large. Just in, in general, manufacturing follows the S curve, and uh, you know, and I think sometimes people, if they haven't spent a lot of time manufacturing, kind of think that once you have a factory, you can just sort of turn it on and it's at capacity. But it, it will typically take about 12 to 18 months to reach capacity. Um, and that is a very fast period of time, uh, especially for new technology. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say 12 to 24 months even. Um, so generally what I see is um, the manufacturing capacity is uh, underestimated in the beginning um, for quite some time. Uh, then it's sometimes overestimated uh, because this is an S-curve. <laughs> Um, it goes exponential to linear to logarithmic. Um, and um, it, it's, it's actually an incredibly hard thing just bringing a, a production plant uh, to volume technology. Because it, 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 you can actually think of it like you've got to first order approximation 10,000 unique uh, parts or processes, all of which operate on an S-curve um, and, and, and if, with, with a bunch of uncertainty 
and you can just slide 10,000 S-curves on an X-axis, and that's what bringing up a large automotive plant is like. And which one is which one's the, the, the laggard, which one's the leader, it's very difficult to tell, and it's constantly changing. Um, so it, it's really one of the most difficult challenges I've ever seen. Um, so let's see. Um, in conclusion, uh, thank you. Uh, all we've achieved would not be possible without the incredible hard work of tens of thousands of Tesla employees um, and all the people at our suppliers as well. I'd like to thank our suppliers. Um, we continue to grow as fast as we can while focusing on cost control and, and improving quality. Um, and ultimately, the, the, the best company will be that which makes great products at an affordable price. And that is, uh, that is our goal. Uh, I think I've never felt more optimistic about the future of Tesla than I than I do today. Um, also, like to thank investors who have stuck with us with us through thick and thin. Um, this is uh, I think there's there's a lot more good stuff to come. Well, overall, I will tell you this was not a particularly spicy earnings call. Uh, they typically tend to be some way somehow, but. Not this one, and and that uh, includes Elon's usually juicier opening statement, but that, I'm not complaining. I mean, the thing is here, it's all good news. I mean, if you listen to Elon here, he doesn't sound stressed out. I think he sounds fairly relaxed. Uh, I mean, hey, not that he and the Tesla team aren't continuing to work super hard. They absolutely are. But as I've noted before, there have been earnings calls in the not-too-distant past where you could hear the stress and or the fatigue in Elon's voice. It's <laughs> this one kind of reminded me. It's almost like Tesla is the student that's been getting straight A's on their report card for five straight quarters now and Elon the dad just isn't as excited as he was the first time that that <laughs> that, that straight A report card came home. I mean, I kid a little bit, but again, this was nothing but great news, which is of course what we want to see. I would expect Q4 to be much of the same. And then next year, it'll get a little spicier because we'll start hearing more about the new gigafactories getting ready to open, as well as uh, we'll have product launches in the form of the Cybertruck and the Semi and probably not the Roadster, but maybe we'll start to hear about it a little bit. So anyway, that's Elon's opening statement. Let's get to the rest of the call. Here is Tesla's CFO, Zach Kirkhorn. Here's his opening statement. There's a couple of interesting things in here. Take a listen to this. Uh, overall, our financial health continues to rapidly improve, with Q3 being another great quarter on nearly all dimensions, as Elon has mentioned. On net, on, on net income, we achieved our fifth sequential quarter of profitability, our best net income, and nearly double-digit operating margins. Two things that are important to note to set context for Q3 profitability. First, the regulatory credits business was stronger than our expectations, and we are tracking to more than double this year compared to last. Second, as a result in the rise of the market cap of the company, the second and third tranche of the CEO grant vested during the quarter. Additionally, we have begun expensing one more tranche, resulting in roughly $300 million of combined period expense. I think it's reasonable to view the quarter excluding both these items to get a true sense of the health of the core business. On automotive gross margin, excluding regulatory credits, it increased materially from 18.7% to 23.7%, with some of our programs achieving greater than 25% gross margin. 
Keep in mind that inefficiencies related to factory shutdowns affected our margins in Q2. We continue to reduce our manufacturing and operational costs. We are also seeing benefits from the ongoing upward trend of locally built and delivered cars, which has increased from under 50% at the beginning of last year to over 70% most recently, which is a core component of our cost reduction strategy. We are also seeing financial benefits from improved vehicle reliability across the fleet. Services and other margin approved yet again, driven by our used vehicle business and efficiencies in our service operations. In the energy business, we achieved record storage deployments aided by the positive reception of the Megapack and Powerwall products as production and deployments grow. Additionally, our solar deployments doubled and we're continuing to make progress on that front. On cash flows, our cash balance increased to $14.5 billion, which includes free cash flows of $1.4 billion, our highest yet. Our operating cash flows were $2.4 billion, uh, including a $600 million benefit from working capital as we've made progress on days of receivables and inventory despite a reduction in days of payables. Note that the majority of our operating cash flows are driven by the strengthening of our core operations. Capital expenses grew to $1 billion, driven by Model Y investments in Shanghai, Berlin, and Austin. As for previous investments in Model 3 Shanghai and Model Y in Fremont, we're expecting these programs to have already fully paid for their respective investments by the end of this year. Looking forward to 2021 and 2022, we have revised up our expectations for capital spending by 2 to $2.5 billion, which we have ample liquidity and expected cash flows to fund. This is driven by an increase in in-source scope for certain factories, including battery cell manufacturing, as well as investments to enable greater capacity expansion in the future. While we expect the return on our investments to remain very strong, keep in mind that with additional scope and location-specific costs, the payback of these investments may be slightly longer than what we saw in Model 3 in Shanghai and Model Y in Fremont. Financing cash flows were $4.5 billion as we reduced use of our working capital lines offset by a $5 billion equity raise in September. Note that we're currently expecting over a billion in early convert paydowns in Q4, primarily associated with the 2021 conversions, but also our 2022 and 2024s. Looking forward, we remain focused on strengthening the core fundamentals of the business. Uh, we are increasing production to meet demand, reducing costs, including localization, driving higher efficiency across the business, and tightening our cash conversion cycle. We've made tremendous progress on this front over the last year and a half. We're also aiming to achieve our original 2020 guidance of 500,000 deliveries, despite the operational interruptions earlier in the year. While this goal remains a genuine challenge, we believe it's possible with tight execution across the company. So congratulations again to the Tesla team for a great quarter and a great year. I don't always play Zach's opening statement, but the two things that I thought were most interesting here and worth playing for you and commenting on were his comments about one, total 2020 deliveries, as well as two, the three and Y projects turning overall profitability. When that tally flips from being in the red overall to being in the black on the entire program in each of those cases, then man, that is just really the last, though perhaps arguably most important definition 
by which the 3 and the Y are both deemed successful. I mean, they're both great cars. Many of us own them. Many of us love them. They've won awards. They have super high customer satisfaction ratings, and they've been selling every single one of each that they can make. But for Tesla to have made back all the money that they spent researching, developing, designing, producing the car to go from uh, paper to manufactured product, that is pretty impressive. And then the other thing, the note on the 500,000 deliveries that they're still aiming for this year, just a quick kind of reality check on that. Again, I'm rooting for them, but it is going to be difficult. The tallies so far are, and I'm, I'm rounding here, I'm not just gonna, it's just quicker. About 88,000 deliveries for Q1, 91,000 for Q2, and 140,000 for Q3, putting them at a total of about 319,000 through three quarters during the, yes, pandemic-shortened production year that cost them six weeks. So that means they are about 180,000 short, which if they can pull it off, would be an unbelievable jump from the record Q3 that they just had. I mean, maybe Model Y production ramps a bit more in Fremont, which we heard from the shareholder letter earlier, and Model 3 production, it's already at capacity. They're already at full speed in Shanghai. So that's where I think this is gonna be tough. I mean, if Shanghai was to start cranking out the Model Y, that would be one thing. You could have reinforcements coming there. Or if Giga Berlin and or Giga Texas were starting to come online, but they are not. They're not quite here yet. The soonest that Calvary arrives is Q1 for the Model Y factory expansion in Giga Shanghai. So again, I don't want to be a pessimist, but I'm just not sure how they're going to be able to make a 40,000 car leap in a single quarter with what appears to be roughly the same production resources that they had in the just completed Q3. But again, I'm rooting for them. We will see what happens here in the coming weeks. Next up, here's Drew. You remember Drew from Battery Day, the head of all things battery at Tesla, talking about uh, this was a good question that was voted on by retail shareholders. And the question was about what vehicles will the 4680 cells go into and how will they be used? So take a listen to Drew's answer. Sure. Uh, yeah, we will incorporate 4680 design solutions into many applications in time across both energy and vehicle. Uh, and we can use our, our pilot production facility in Fremont to support the new factory in Berlin as it ramps. Well, there you go. It sounds like the pilot 4680 cell program in Fremont, which is where Battery Day was held, will be making the batteries for the initial run of the Model Ys in Berlin late next year. I imagine that's probably going to be the case for the initial batch of Cybertrucks out of Texas as well, which, again, we will hear a bit more about later on in the call. Uh, the next question was another good one about whether tabless, the tabless architecture in the new cells can enable higher charging rates, peak charging rates, and longer taper curves. So take a listen to this. The fundamental limitation on charge rate and lithium-ion batteries is avoiding lithium plating on the anode. Um, and while the tabless architecture helps avoid uh, overheating because it's a, a more power-dense architecture uh, at high continuous charge rates, it, it doesn't change the anode plating story. Uh, electro design and anode material choice 
more directly determines the maximum charge rate and how to avoid that lithium plating problem. So this was another great question that was upvoted by enough of the retail investors that it made it onto the call. And I think we were probably all hoping for a bit better news than this. I mean, it sounds like there are still very much limitations and we shouldn't necessarily expect a major boost in supercharging peak rate or the shape of the taper curve on the new 4680 cells. But again, there is some good news on this front later in the call. I know I'm doing a lot of teasing for later in the call, uh, later in the episode here, but there is a lot more good stuff to come, a lot of, a lot of interesting clips yet to play. Now, here's here, I'll pay off one that I mentioned at the top of the show. Full self-driving transfer. Elon was asked about that. Well, he gave it some thought, and here's what he had to say. Um, yeah, I think we'll, 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 give, we'll give it some thought. Well, perhaps I should take him at face value there, and, and they haven't thought about it, and they will think about it, but that, to me, sounded like a polite no on Elon's part. I mean, he the thing is, the reason I say that is Elon does not often give five-second, one-sentence answers to a question, particularly after contemplating his response for a moment there, too. But don't give up, though, friends. I agree with a lot of you that this is really something that needs to be addressed moving forward. It's it's important to maintain customer loyalty, keep people in the Tesla ecosystem. And I think it's, quite frankly, I think it's only fair that there be some incentive uh, to maintain your subscription or have a transfer fee to, to not have to pay 10 grand all over again. I mean, we see it, it this has been brought up in the Ride the Lightning Hotline before, but, you know, it's it's we see it in... Uh, with smartphones, with video game systems, those those software entitlements transfer over if you replace the machine with a new machine. I mean, you know, forget about a voluntary upgrade. Let's say let's say some of you out there you you want to go from a three to a Y uh, because it's a better fit for your family, or maybe you you have a bigger family now than you did when you bought your Model Three, and uh, but you you know t- you're staring down the barrel of a ten thousand dollar price point on full self-driving and that might disincentivize you from upgrading and then how about let's let's take a a a a scarier example but one that does happen unfortunately from time to time let's say you you did pay uh you paid the earlier lower price but your car gets totaled in in an accident that's not your fault and your car is done well i mean okay you'll get paid out whatever the insurance company pays out but now suddenly you've got to pay more money for the full self-driving, even though you're just replacing the same thing you had. So anyway, uh, I'm rambling here, but I think, yeah, just keep up the, uh, keep up the polite, keep bringing this topic up is, is what I'm trying to say. Not to me necessarily, but, you know, tweet it at Elon and, and make your voice heard in forums and Reddit and what have you. And hopefully this is something that will continue to get brought up at earnings calls and in interviews with Elon and is something that, that eventually uh, they can be made to see that this is a really important thing for the Tesla community, and and it's something that maybe there there is a a compromise situation to be had at some point down the road. Speaking of some point down the road, the uh, executive team was asked a question on the call about the solar roof, and I'm not going to play the first part of it, but Elon jumped into this. Uh, And started sort of, he answered it in a very interesting way. So I thought I would play that for you here. 
I mean, here's a way to think about a product, in my opinion. You have to say, I think, what do you want the world to look like? When you look around the neighborhood, the future, decade from now, you know, what do you want? What what products are going to make your life better? What what future do you want? And I think a future where we've got beautiful roofs with generating energy uh, that are tough and tougher and resilient and better in every way than a regular roof and alive with energy. That's the future we want. Uh, the solar roof is a killer product. This will become obvious next year. So again, even though this was part of a answer to a solar roof question that I didn't even want to play the beginning of, I did want to play his, his comment there because I thought I just really liked his big picture response there. I mean, he's right, or at least I guess I'll phrase it this way. I agree with him here about what you want your future to look like. And also, I wonder what he means by this will be obvious next year when he talks about the solar roof being a killer product. I mean, I suppose maybe he's just referring to Tesla exponentially multiplying the number of installations next year, or perhaps more varieties of the solar roof glass tiles are on the way next year. Because remember, there are eventually supposed to be, I think it was four total variants. There was like the, there's the one you see now, and then there was the Spanish tile, and there were a couple of other ones in there as well. Uh, the next question, here's Drew addressing the octovalve as it pertains to a possible home use, a home HVAC system. Um, yeah. Good yeah, go ahead, Drew. I was just going to say, I mean, I think one of the things we focused on with the Model Y and now Model 3 heat pump system was learning how to build a tightly integrated system capable of moving heat to and from anywhere, really, powertrain, battery, cabin, the environment, in outside ambient temperatures all the way down to, like, negative 20 uh, C, so 30 C. Um, and that's definitely applicable to uh, to the home's needs of heating and cooling the, the, the home and, and the water in your house. So certainly applicable. Uh, Elon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, like, the, the heat, if we heat pump in the car... Being able to use the battery as both a thermal and an electric uh, energy reservoir is very significant. Um, same thing could be applied to a home uh, with the um, water heater uh, so and, and the battery pack itself, of course. Um, so like, I think there's potential for an integrated home system that kind of is power generation, storage, uh, heating, cooling, air filtration, uh, you know, water purification in, in a really tight package. Um, we, we don't actually have like a prototype or anything, but I think conceptually that is something that would be probably good to have. Very interesting to hear that Elon and the team think that the Octovalve could end up playing a role in that potential home HVAC system. Elon has said that's sort of a pet project of his that he'd like to get to at some point. You know, if if they did it and it applied first principle design the way that Tesla has done with the cars, I would most definitely be in line for one. I would probably pick one up. I mean, just for our my home here, our central heating unit. I mean, we, we actually we don't have air conditioning here in San Francisco because we generally don't need it. A lot of actually, believe it or not, a lot of San Francisco San Francisco homes don't have AC. But anyway, yeah, our our heating unit's getting pretty old anyway. So if, yeah, you know, in the next few years, 
There is an octovalve-powered Tesla home HVAC system. I would say bring it on. I would uh, I would sign up for that. Uh, another good question. This this had a lot of good questions on this earnings call. Were there or are there backup plans for the 4680 cells in case you know the pilot program doesn't go well for whatever reason? This is all new technology. And here was Elon's response to that. Yeah, so I think it's <clears throat> we've, we've tried to de-risk. Uh, 2021, so that there's um, you know almost no dependency on our internal cell production. Uh, it's, it's very very small. Uh, the internal cell production will help us ramp in 22, but we're not dependent on it for 21. And to de-risk the manufacturing system itself, that was one of the reasons why we located our pilot production facility here in Fremont. So we can rapidly iterate on manufacturing scale-up challenges, provide rapid feedback to the design of both the product and the equipment. Yeah, and our pilot line is pretty big as pilot lines go. It's a, it will be in the top 10 cell factories on Earth, I believe. Yeah, that is true. A subscale one, yeah, so. And this was, again, a good question because if you remember back to Battery Day, they did say... I mean, they've got pilot cells, but that they're they're not quite there with the the entire process yet. That they've still got a couple of more revisions left to go. Like from the Maxwell Tech, they've got like two. They've I think if I remember right, Elon said they were on version four of the Maxwell stuff, and now they're they need to get a couple more versions. So the good news is that the pilot program is already producing cells, even if that process isn't quite where Drew and the team are looking to get it just yet, but. Yeah, I'm I'm confident that we are going to see cars with 4680 cells in them hitting the roads before the end of next year. Uh, here's next is Elon talking about how how vertically oriented Tesla is. This has come up on the podcast before, and you if you've been following Tesla for some time, you know how much of their stuff they do in house. But listen to Elon explain it. It kind of puts it into a, a nice perspective. Okay, well, I mean, Tesla is, is absurdly vertically integrated compared to other auto companies or basically almost any company. Uh, the, we have a massive amount of internal manufacturing technology that we, that we build ourselves. We, we literally make the machine. We, in fact, we, we design it. So, like, okay, what is the thing we want to make? Design the machine that will make that thing. Then we make the machine. This, is what, this, this, this makes it quite difficult to copy Tesla which we're not actually that opposed to people copying us, but it's quite difficult because you can't do catalog engineering. You can't just, I'll pick up the supplier catalog, I'll get one of this machine, one of that machine, bingo, now I'm Tesla. Um, you have to, there is no catalog. What ca- you know, so we made the machine that made the machine that made the machine. <laughs> it gets, no, no, we don't, we don't want to get carried away here. But, um, and quite frankly, we would like to outsource less. Um, that would be great. Because um, then, if we could outsource, if we could take something that we're doing and outsource it, then we could take those people and, and they, we could have them do something else. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's like we, we just make a crazy amount of machinery internally. Um, this is Tesla's are not well well understood. Um, if, if you just walk around the factory, you can just get a sense for it. Um, and. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean I don't know if this is like a smart move, but I I just know like hey, if we're trying to make progress and nobody's got the machine that we we need, we we, we got to make it. So so we do. 
What I found interesting about this comment is that it contrasts a bit from Tesla's position over the years. Not maliciously, mind you, but in practice. And what I mean by that is that if you remember, Tesla open sourced their patents years ago. And what happened? Nobody used them. Nobody else made electric cars. And so while Elon still says he wants to see more electric cars from other companies, it seems as though he's given up on the idea of any of the big boys coming in and making use of the template that Tesla laid out for them. Instead, Tesla now is forging ahead on its own path. And hey, they're doing what they've done ever since the Model S launched. And that is dragging the rest of the automotive industry kicking and screaming into the all-electric future with them. And in my, yes, fanboy opinion, we'll all be better for it. Okay, here's the part of the earnings call you've probably been waiting for, an update on the Cybertruck. Take it away, Elon Musk. I, I was in the studio actually on uh, last Friday uh, with Franz and the team just going over the, just uh, sort, of, sort, of, sort of some improved improvements to the Cybertruck. You know, generally, with you know, at Tesla, we we really aim to make the car that is delivered better than the car that is uh, unveiled. Because um, it always drove me crazy. You know, car companies would unveil these awesome-looking cars, and you're like, "Great, can't wait till I make that." And then they, the car they actually make is, is like much worse, and, and that is just it's like really disappointing. So, man, we were always want to make the car that we deliver be better than the car we unveil, and. That's the goal with the Cybertruck. So um, there's like a lot of lot of small improvements compared to what was unveiled. Um, it's you know I think it's going to be better than what we showed. Uh, and um, yeah, it's it's, it's cool. It, like it, it's going to be made in um, in Austin, so it's can you know dependent on completing that factory. And there are obviously new technologies with the you know high high hardness. Uh, kind of armored exoskeleton. This is I've never been done before, so there'll be there'll probably be some challenges along the way. Um, and obviously, something something that's extremely high hardness and difficult to scratch or dent um, is, is also difficult to form. Uh, so it's it, there's some manufacturing challenges there. That's why it's so planar. Um, although it also looks good, I think, from a planar standpoint. Um, yeah, man. If, if all goes well, we will be able to do some Cybertruck deliveries uh, towards the end of next towards the end of next year. Yeah, so it's, it's difficult to predict. Um, I would say there's probably a lot of deliveries in 22, and some deliveries towards the end of next year if things go well. Well, nothing super concrete here, but. It is nice to hear that Elon and Franz and the design team are continuing to actively work on the Cybertruck. And it's also nice to hear that they are still, as of now, on track to deliver some Cybertrucks late next year. But my interpretation of that uh, is that you should probably plan on not seeing your Cybertruck until 2022, even if you got your reservation in on that first night. I I mean... I can't wait to see the beta versions of the Cybertrucks out on the road. Uh, you know, we've seen that in the past. It's always, it's fun to follow. It's extra fun to follow the Tesla community online 
when a new vehicle is about to launch because you get you get all the sightings, the the, the quote unquote spy picks that people get around various, usually around California and the Bay Area, but sometimes in all across the country with the Model Y. The Model Y was getting spotted all over the place as they were you know doing cold weather testing and what have you in other places, but. Yeah, when you get the beta versions of the Cybertrucks out on the road, uh, I guess those sightings are going to happen in Texas. That will make perfect sense there. But yeah, it'll be like with the 3 and the Y and the, the Model X before them. The spy, you know, the, the pictures of the the beta versions of those on the road. The Cybertruck betas are going to get photographed like crazy. And they are also going to be impossible to hide. You can't put any, there won't be any point of putting any camouflage wrapping on it. Any like, like with the Model X's, they hid the fact that the X didn't have a nose cone. Because if you remember way back at the time, the Model S had the nose cone and the Model X, the prototype Model X did have a nose cone, but they hid the fact that the X didn't have one until the launch event, because on the the beta cars that would be run around and uh, photographed by people, they had like a sort of a a car bra thing, they had stuff on the front of it, so you couldn't see if it had a nose cone or not. And then the Model S got the nose cone uh, after the X did, in the spring of 2016, after the X was unveiled and launched in technically late September of 2015. Anyway... I'm um, going going off tangent here, but yeah, the the beta Cybertrucks when they start running around are going to be uh, those things are going to be rock stars out out on, and not just in the Tesla community, but everybody's going to be checking those things out. Like, what is that's a that's one of those Cybertrucks? Whoa, it's going to be fun. Um, speaking of fun, 2021 should be a fun year for Tesla for reasons I've already mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, but also for Tesla's continued growth. Here is Elon, not quite able to help himself on uh, on sharing the number of, of vehicles that Tesla expects to deliver in 2021. Am I right thinking next year we should expect you to deliver uh, like somewhere like between 840,000 and 1 million uh, cars during the year? Yeah, well... Yeah, we'll provide uh, guidance on 2021 after next earnings call. I mean, it's it's, it's in that vicinity. Um, yeah, you're not far off. So you had I left in the the part of the analyst question there at the beginning because the exchange was just funny to me because you could you could hear Zach step in there to try and stop Elon from making any forward looking statements, but then. Zach does, and Elon still couldn't help himself, and he went ahead and gave one anyway. So it looks like they are aiming for somewhere around 840, 850,000 on up to maybe a million deliveries in 2021. But in, I would imagine that in 2022, they will for sure hit a million deliveries in 2022. Because at that point, if they don't hit it in 2021, then in 2022, they've got Cybertruck ramping up, full Model Y production in Shanghai, Berlin, Fremont, and probably Texas at full run and full bore, or at least ramping up to it on the Model Y as well. So there are a lot more uh, avenues for growth that'll be 
maybe coming online in 2021, but really ramping and hitting hitting full speed in 2022. Let's see here. I've got uh, three more clips from this earnings call. Uh, the next two are about the semi-truck. This first one is a general update from Jerome Guillen about the Tesla Semi. Yeah, we continue the development of the Semi, and uh, uh, in particular, mega chargers. We, we realized that the 350 uh, kilowatt or, or, or so that uh, we might be looking for cars is not going to be enough for Semi, so we're looking for something much more uh, powerful than that. Uh, that can achieve um, essentially charging as fast uh, the semi as um, as you during a break uh, during your driving time, so that you can drive until the next break. Yeah. Um, so there is no usable or um, efficient time wasted for charging uh, the semi. That's that's the goal. Um, uh, we're working with uh, uh, other parties to make sure that there is a standard infrastructure that will be able to uh, uh, be deployed uh, for all customers. Um, yeah, that's probably all I can say at this point, yeah. We're not working in isolation. Yeah, we're trying to, well, we have to invent it because it doesn't exist. You know, but we're we're trying to invent something uh, that could be uh, helpful for everybody. Yeah, just, just a, a note on the, the sort of semi. The, the the semi does consume a lot of cells, so it's uh, you know, quote, you know, four to six times more than a passenger vehicle. Maybe quote five, you know, five-ish times. So, um, if we are cell constrained, it is it it kind of it's difficult to ramp up the semi because there's no there's no cells. Um, so we need to solve the cell constraint before ramping semi to significant volume. That's the only real constraint on semi progress. Um, and uh, you know, just we, we found over and over again, we were just we just kept running into cell cell production limitations, um, and then we're just taking things out of one pocket and putting them in another. Uh, so you know, it, 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 we, we just need more cells so that we can do more stationary storage, more vehicles. Uh, more vehicle lines, we need more cells. This was a very interesting part of the call that I think largely went overlooked. Because did you happen to catch exactly what number Jerome gave right there? And uh, a reminder, Jerome isn't just the head of the semi project. He's the head of all of automotive. So he has his eyes on everything. And he said... 350 kilowatts of supercharging for the cars and that more would be needed for the semi. A reminder that V3 supercharging currently maxes out at 250 kilowatts. So perhaps this is what Elon teased at the very beginning of the Cybertruck unveiling that I've referenced a few times in the months since. 350 kilowatts is a 40% higher peak charging rate than what we've got now. So that would be mighty impressive. Now, granted, the, the fleet battery packs are getting larger as well. The, the Teslas, uh, on the whole, the S, the X, the three, the long range three just got a bit of a bump. You've got the Cybertruck coming, uh, even the Roadster at some point as well. Big batteries, long, long range cars. So uh, the overall time to charge 
might not necessarily go down a lot from where we're at now with V3 because the batteries and the ranges are bigger. But by the time this V4 rolls out, you could be going a good bit farther on a single charge than you do now and and then only have to stop for the same, let's call it 30 minutes, give or take, that you stop for now. It's just still obviously very much a net gain as far as the time in your day. Secondly, there, Elon confirmed my suspicion and that of many of you, no doubt, that the only thing holding the Tesla Semi back at this point is battery cell availability. I wonder if any of the big name clients, and there are a number of them that have ordered the Tesla Semi and have, in some cases, very large orders for the Tesla Semi, I wonder if any of them are starting to get antsy. I mean, after all, as of next month, yeah, we're in late October at this point, as of next month, it will have been three years since the Tesla Semi was unveiled and they started taking reservation deposits from those clients at that time. Now, I know none of us are buying it. It's not for us. But nevertheless, I cannot wait to see the final version of the Tesla Semi hit the road and start to be a thing that I see around the San Francisco Bay Area. That is going to be cool to see them hit the streets. And then here's, as promised, the other clip on the Tesla Semi about its impact on the longer-term balance sheet and and importance to the company. I think it's uh, very material, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I mean, really long-term, all transport will go autonomous. Yeah, horses are, are already autonomous. <laughs> um, but all transport will go autonomous. Um, yeah, so including semi. So it'll be yeah, pretty significant. And the technology that we're putting in semi is identical to what we're putting in the other vehicles. Yeah, it's just big, bigger, big, bigger and more motors. So in case you had any doubts that the semi was going to just be a little vanity project for Tesla, no, it is not that at all. It's going to be a big deal. And even though I confess I don't know anything about the trucking industry, I wonder if it could take even longer for competitors in that arena to go electric than it has in the passenger car world. I mean, again, I know nothing. For all I know, it could end up being quicker because maybe there's not as much uh, capex that goes into building semi trucks, and I, I don't know, you know, and the volume is not as high as as past. But but it on in my head, it seems like that could end up being an industry that that is uh, takes even longer to switch over, and maybe thus giving Tesla a potentially huge market to themselves, restrained only by battery supply over the coming decade. The final clip I would like to play for you from the Q3 earnings call is with regards to the skateboard design and its viability moving forward after Tesla at Battery Day announcing the new structural battery pack anchored by the 4680 cells that will serve a structural purpose in the car. It will, it will be obsolete long term, yes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yes. I mean, several years from now, it's it, 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 from now. It's it, 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 it's not like existing cars stop ha- having value. It's just that this that, that if you have an inter- if you have the 
if you have a structural pack where the pack is contributing uh, structural value to the car um, because of like the sort of like the composite honeycomb effect of you know shear transfer between an upper and lower plate, uh, then anything that doesn't do that is going to have to have duplicate hardware. Um, it's going to weigh more. It's going to cost more. Um, and then the same goes for the front and rear castings. Um, I mean, we, <laughs> we're, trying, we're, we're trying to make the car like you'd make a toy. Um, you know, if you if you had a toy model car, how would and then it's got to be real cheap and look look great. Um, how would you make that? You would cast it. And that's how it's done. It would be absurd to make it up of tiny little pieces of of stamped metal uh, joined in, in complex ways. Um, so. It's sort of a natural thing to do, uh, and then the same goes for using the, the, the energy storage, the, the battery as a structure, which is done for aircraft wings and for rockets. Um, the early rockets and aircraft, they they had a separate aero shell from the propellant tanks or fuel tanks, um, and and then they realized that doesn't make sense, and you got to integrate, you got to have your fuel tank in wing shape, or you got to have your propellant tanks in the the shape of the body of the, the rocket, for example. Um, you, you don't want to put a box on a box, basically. Uh, so, you know, so, 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 which over many years made it like basically uncompetitive to have an aircraft that has separate fuel tanks uh, from the wing. The wing need, the wings need to be fuel tanks. Um, but like, I wouldn't think of this as like it's like an overnight transition. It's several years. Uh, but but then, like I said, over time, it just it won't be competitive to, to have a different architecture, in my opinion. You know, that might sound radical, but when you think about it, Tesla's skateboard design has been around for about 10 years now. And as we've seen, especially with Tesla, as in all things with regard to technology, things evolve, things improve, and they tend to do so very quickly at Tesla. The fact is, the structural battery pack is the next evolution for the next decade of Tesla vehicles. I can't wait to see it. Uh, In fact, I mean, if you think about it, the first vehicles delivered with a structural battery pack should end up hitting about nine years after the Model S and its skateboard chassis first launched. Although, of course, the skateboard was drawn up well before that. So I say let's go on to the next generation It's going to be fun. It's going to be the next, that's, again, I've said this before, but boy, I just could not have picked a better car company to, to want to do a weekly podcast about because there's just, there's never a shortage of fun, new, exciting things to follow along with and cover and talk about and discuss. So anyway, there is your Q3 2020 earnings call recap and analysis. I hope you enjoyed that. I had fun putting that together. But stick with me. The podcast is not quite over. I've got your pro tip and uh, a bit more on what's going on with my car and then a few other little things right after this. Well, as usual with the earnings call recap shows, they go long enough all on their own Uh, So I'm going to skip the Ride the Lightning hotline this week, but I will promise I will come back to it next week. Keep your calls coming if you want to react to something from the earnings call or you've just got any old Tesla-related question, comment, or discussion topic on your mind. 
I welcome you. I would love to hear from you. I love that part of the podcast. It's great to have more voices. So you can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less. And you can just email that file to me after you're done recording it. And the email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less phone call and actually call the Ride the Lightning hotline and just leave a message. Could not be easier. Toll free number, dial it up. Toll free 1 888 989 8752. Again, that's 1 888 989 TSLA. And with that, let me get, uh, well, I guess, let's see, pro tip or, well, I'll tell you real quick. So uh, my car is still in, it's just still in the shop for the airbag warning indicator. Now, granted, it's only been in now uh, two days. I'm recording the podcast early this week. It's Thursday night instead of Friday night because I figured the earnings call was the big thing this week. That's That's going to be the meat of it. And anything I might happen to miss on Friday, if there are any interesting little follow-ups or, or tidbits, I'll just get those for next week's show. But I figure this way, earnings call is always a, a big deal, big episode. So I wanted to get that out to the Patreon supporters a little early. So I thought uh, I'd do that. But anyway, that means I don't know yet if my car will be done in time for the weekend. Hopefully. But uh, the good news is, if it's not, I got a loaner Model S. It is the first time in a long time. I mean, not that I've had a ton of service center visits over the years, uh, the, the two years I've had it. I've, you know, there have been a few. Let's see. Yeah, anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, this, yeah, this is only, I feel like this is the second time, yeah, the windshield, when I had my windshield replaced. That, so I think this is the second time I've had a, uh, a loaner. So, yeah, it feels good to be uh, in a Tesla when you're not in your Tesla. Now, the... The uh, loaner cars don't have, at least the ones here in the San Francisco Bay Area, the loaners don't have autopilot, which is a bummer, but hey, beggars can't be choosers. It's What's interesting is I was, uh, you know, I dropped the car off and it's all touchless and and it's they were just, you know, talking from a distance away and saying, well, you know, we we can put you on the waiting list for a loaner. We don't have one for you or, you know, we'll give you the Uber credits. And, okay. Um which I expected this time. That was the, I had the expectation there. So I literally, I'd left, I'd left the building. I just walked out through the back door of the garage and I was walking down the sidewalk toward the corner to dial up an Uber. And then I hear, I hear my name called a couple times and I turn around and, and the nice, the nice guy from, from Tesla, uh, literally ran me down, flagged me down on the sidewalk after I'd already left and said, we've got a loaner for you. So that was really awesome customer service right there. And it was nice to uh, to drive home in a Tesla, even if it wasn't mine. And boy, yeah, it's it's interesting. I have not driven a Model S in a long time. So being used to the three and then getting in the S, you really, you see the differences between the two cars. They are just, they are different. Um, it's, you know, the, the three actually... I feel like almost feels a bit more open because I think the greenhouse is a little taller. So you've got a little bit more, you can kind of see more uh, in front of you. But yeah, the, you know, it is nice to have the the instrument cluster screen in front of you. I mean, it does have some some good information on it. But yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely, and boy, it, is, it definitely feels like a bigger car. You can feel the size difference between the two cars. The S is just, it is a brilliant machine though. 
but I am so, so happy with my Performance Model 3. I love that car. Can't wait to get it back. All right. Uh, pro tip of the week now. Joe from Houston has a tip for cleaning the white seats in response to my RNGD greaser chemical guys comment from fairly recently. So, Joe, take it away. Hey, Ryan. Joe from Houston here. I've been meaning to call in for a few weeks as a follow-up to your recommendation to cleaning your white Model 3 interior with Chemical Guy's orange degreaser. I have to say that while I'm sure it gets the job done, using a degreaser to clean the Model 3 interior is a bit like using a pressure washer to clean your fine china dishes. Sure, you can make it work with certain precautions, however the likelihood of causing permanent damage is pretty high. Chemical guys suggested used it for their degreaser is for things like suspension and differential parts, tires, and even the grime off your garage floor. It's a bit overkill for interior surfaces, and you're much better off using a product specifically made for the surface you're trying to clean. I personally had excellent luck on my white seats with a product called Color Lock Artificial Leather Cleaner. You can buy it in a kit along with their artificial leather protectant, cleaning sponge and a brush and a microfiber wipe for about $40 on their website. By the way, color in color lock is spelled the British way with a U. They specialize in leather and artificial leather care, and the cleaner is very effective on general dirt as well as gene dye transfer. And it's much safer than using a degreaser than having to dilute it and wipe it off right away. And I find that the protectant really does keep dirt from sticking as well. If you have a Model S or X with genuine leather seats, they have you covered on that front as well with other products. Ryan, thanks as always for the podcast, and I hope you and the listeners find this helpful. Cheers. Joe, I very much appreciate that recommendation. Thank you. Uh, I am more than happy to pass that recommendation along because, you know, hey, it's always nice to hear more good options. It's not, you know, there's not just one right answer. There are many right answers. So thank you for your perspective and for your recommendation on that. And again, if you've got a pro tip of the week, something interesting about your car that is not obvious or in the manual, feel free to call in the same way that you send in a regular hotline call, and I will play one of those every show right here towards the end of the show. But before I do get to the official end of the show, I wanted to mention a few friends of Ride the Lightning that can hopefully be friends of yours as well, starting with Abstract Ocean. Check them out, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your order. Their newest products, the Rear Footwell Lighting Kit. That looks really nice. It looks, again, I am, if you've been listening for a while, you know I like my aftermarket accessories to look like they came from the factory. I like, that's just the look that I enjoy. And that's the opposite of some people. Some people want to totally customize it, make it their own. I like uh, that sort of original look and these the rear footwell lighting kit looks like something that came from the factory that way. Now, you can customize it. You could get it in different colors, purple, whatever, blue, whatever color you want to do. Uh, so check that out as well as the drop-in cup holder stabilizer. Again, abstractocean.com, the, as I affectionately refer to them as the Costco of Tesla aftermarket accessories. They've just got aisles and aisles, virtually speaking, of stuff. So go browse over there, see what you like, and use that RTL podcast coupon code to get your discount. Meanwhile, Snap Plate, you can get that at livingtesla.com slash RTL and the use the coupon code RTL, which will give you 10% off. Actually, you're running out of time on that. 
I've uh, the, it's been nice. I've seen a number of people take advantage. So I want to mention this. I guess this will maybe be the last week. Uh, yeah, this will be the last week I mention it because next show is is going to be in November. So this coupon code RTL only good through October for 10% off of your order. Now, again, the snap plate is the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds. It is paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. Uh, It is great for those of you like me who hate front license plates, but you might need to put one on while you're at a parking meter, while you're going through a toll at a bridge, uh, but you might want to take it off for car shows or while you're washing the car, whatever you want to do. Check it out, livingtesla.com slash RTL. They've got that snap plate for all four Tesla models. Immaculate Reflections, meanwhile, they've got a discount for detailing services for listeners of this podcast. Just mention when you get in touch with Jeff, and you can do so at his website, irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, and there is a discount waiting for you. No matter what you choose to do, whether you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax your car for the next three to five years, whether you want to do some paint correction, correct some flaws in the in the finish, either from the factory or that have you know accumulated over the years, and or maybe you want to do paint protection film, maybe just the front of the car, maybe the whole thing. Whatever you want to do, Immaculate Reflections will take wonderful, wonderful care of you. I, I am living proof. My car is rolling proof of Jeff's... Uh, just amazing talents. So if you're in the Bay Area or going to be in the Bay Area with your car, drop him a line, book in with him. He will take very good care of you and your car. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, that's the website to go to for your one-stop shop on your dash cam and sentry mode needs. $49 for the 128 gigabyte kit. If you want to step up to the 256 gig kit, That's $69. It comes fully formatted and ready to go out of the package, and they ship free anywhere in the United States. If you are not in the U.S., they will still ship to you just for a nominal fee. So uh, grab your dash cam slash sentry mode kit at puretesla.com slash RTL. And then, of course, Jada. Jada's rocking that awesome wireless charging pad for all the Model 3s that aren't super brand new, which is currently still most of us. Uh, They've got that as well as the USB hubs for both the 3 and the Y. So if you're getting, uh, I think this promo code should still be good, $10 off of one item with the promo code NEWSLETTER10. $20 off of two items and using the promo code there, NEWSLETTER20. If that should happen to be expired, you can still use the... Ride the Lightning coupon code, which is Ride the Lightning, all one word. That's good for $10 off. And to do that, please use my referral code. You've got to, or excuse me, referral link. You've got to go through my link. I would very much appreciate it. And that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. That will about wrap it up. Uh, other than saying a big thank you to the Patreon supporters. And in fact, you know, this is my time where I mention the Patreon. A lot of time and energy goes into the podcast, especially these quarterly earnings call shows. I do my best to have it sounding as professional and awesome and uh, well-researched and and 
etc., etc. Good adjective, good adjective for you as I can. So uh, it's voluntary. If you are willing and able, if you're able to support the podcast on Patreon, I would sincerely appreciate it. I do have a number of perks attached to the different support tiers so that I am trying to say thank you in some way for your support. The plaid level supporters get a number of things, including their names shouted out, and the maximum plaid backers get the name shout out and the monthly Patreon, uh, excuse me, monthly Google Hangout with their fellow, with me and their fellow maximum plaid backers. So we can have a nice time chatting about all things Tesla. Because as I have found, I've done, I guess just, I did the one meetup with the Ride the Lightning community officially when I was in Arizona for the holidays last year. And I think, what was it, like seven or eight people showed up. And I was going to say, it was, I had a blast. It was so much fun to just, you know, just talk face to face to share in this thing we're all enthusiastic about together. So that's why I created the new Patreon tier, because I thought it would be fun, not just for me, but for everybody that participates. Because maybe some of you, you're, maybe you're the only one in your family or circle of friends that's super into Tesla. So, you know, come on, come on over. Join us in the Google Hangout if you're on that level of the Patreon and uh, chat with some of your your fellow like-minded enthusiasts. So anyway, all that is to say, if you are able to support the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. And the website to go to to learn more about that is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And with that, let me shout out the plaid level supporters and first the Maximum Plaid backers, that new tier. The latest Maximum Plaid backers, Fernando Cordero and Sean Neidig, as well as uh, the other Maximum Plaid backers, Pete White, Danny Nelson, and Jonathan Wales. And then the Plaid Level crew. Love all of you as well. George Cassioppo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Fulkers, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversoll, Ish, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, uh, Eric St. Pierre, and Steve Drumheller. Thank you all so very much for your continued support at the plaid tier. Love it. And the maximum plaid tier for the few of you as well. All right, that is enough from me for one week. This has been an extra long episode of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. But hey, hopefully that time was all put to good use with the big quarterly earnings call recap episode. It was a fun one for me. Although uh, Miss Daisy over here, I don't know if you heard any of that on mic, if any of it picked up, because she's over on the other side of the room on the couch. She was snoring through most of that episode. She looks very comfortable over there. And I'm going to head to bed myself very soon. It is approaching midnight here 
in my time zone here on Thursday night. So I hope you have a wonderful weekend and week to come. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.